Hey everyone, it's Tempe This Week. I'm Chris Baxter-Gang. How many people do you know who have worked for the same employer for 30 years? It's pretty rare, right? Well, here at the City of Tempe, we are fortunate to have staff who have been with us for their entire careers, including people who started as interns who are now top management. So much has changed since the 90s, and they're going to tell us all about it. Jessica Jupitus of the Tempe Public Library is our co-host. What's going on? Hey, Chris. Glad to be here. So we are here today at the Rose Eisendraft House. We thought it appropriate to broadcast from our city's oldest staff-occupied facility to celebrate the longevity of the staff we're talking with today. And our public art team has offices here. So we're going to get started. Jared Smith from the Tempe History Museum is with us today to tell us the story of this iconic house. Hi, Jared. Hi, how's it going? Uh, glad to have you here today. Great so to be here. let's talk about Rose Eisendraft. When was this house built and why? Okay, this house was built in 1930. Rose Eisendrath uh, was a Chicago socialite, um, also a huge proponent of the arts and one of the, uh, you know, one of the conspicuous Chicago area winter visitors. And uh, Rose had wanted to, uh, you know, to winter like other visitors in this area, but at least one uh, one of those, uh, one of the inns in the area that catered to high-end winter visitors had turned her down, and apparently because she was Jewish. And then uh, she wintered, I believe, that year, one of those years at the Biltmore, and decided, well, it's time for me to have my own house. The house was completed at the end of 1930. Uh, Rose started using the house in early 1931, and actually she passed away in the house in uh, late 1936. Wow. And it's still here today and we're podcasting from it, which is really right. exciting. So tell us, how did this become a Tempe owned facility? So it had gone through a number of different owners over the years. And near the end of the 1990s, it transitioned over to the city as the a local neighborhood group was looking to uh, to basically try to raise funds to save the house. People were very fond of their pink house on the hill. And uh, the house was in a little rough around the edges by that time. And so that was a, it was a process because it required some of this neighborhood effort, uh, different organizations that were involved. Um, I believe uh, uh, Evelyn Hallman uh, and Darlene Justice as some of the neighborhood leaders uh, behind this cause. Basically a lot of folks who pitched in eventually to put the funding in place to get the, the people here to assess the building. Uh, and to uh, do all the work that was required to restore a multi-story adobe. Yeah, that's a, that's a wild ride for this house. Right. So let's talk about what makes this house special. Basically, it's, it's the leading edge of development up in this area. Um, when it was built south of what was the uh, Tempe-Scottsdale Highway, mm. um, which was McKellips. It was unique at that time because it was way out there. It was also had a wonderful view. Uh, all of us that, you know, you peek out on the go up on the roof and you take a look and it's like, wow. It was also neat because they, she would lease the home at times when she wasn't here. And one of the guests who stayed here briefly was Betty Davis. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you had you had celebrity power out here. Pretty special place even back then for a very 
a very proud and tough and resilient lady who was a, you know, uh, who was a, ch a child of immigrants uh, who had settled in this country back in the 18th or excuse me, 19th century. So uh, but she found a home here. She loved it, clearly. Uh, and she stayed here till, you know, till the end of her of her life. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Jared. You know, this the Rose Eisendrath House truly reflects our city. I love the story of diversity that it tells Tempe's welcoming nature once again. Um, and the beauty of this house, we will have some video on our website that shows you some of the rooms and the exterior of this house so that you can all see it. Um, it's, you know, this place, it's welcoming, it's enduring, it's beautiful. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thank, thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Jared. And so now, Chris, we're on to uh, Keith Burke. Keith Burke came to Tempe as an intern more than 30 years ago. He's now deputy city manager overseeing community services, communication and media relations, engineering and transportation, government relations, and internal audits. So for us, Chris, that means he's our boss. He's the boss. <laughs> Good Absolutely. morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome, Keith. We're so excited to have you here. Uh, me, especially since Keith is the person who hired me onto the city. So <laughs> I think we'll always have a special bond there. Absolutely. So, Keith, you started here in 1992. First question, favorite 90s band? Oh, goodness. Bands, right? And, you know, I think if you talk about music, um, my favorite music is, you know, R&B, hip hop. But as far as bands go, in Chief over there is smiling at me because Rush is one of my favorite bands. I listened to them all the way through high school growing up and I still listen to them today. But as far as all genres of music, I love jazz. You know, I love a little bit of country here and there at times. But, you know, Rush is my favorite band. Fair enough. And we've got great live music in Tempe, so you have a lot of opportunities. So tell us, Keith, how did you get your start at the city of Tempe? Sure, sure. So as an ASU student, um, you know, you used to go to the Memorial Union called the MU, if you remember that. Um, you look on the job bulletin board and, you know, one uh, early spring, I just like needed a job for the summer. So I pulled one of the cards off of there and sure enough, I went over to Escalante Community Center and, and peeked my head around the corner and talked to the supervisor. I said I was there to, you know, apply for the position and, and never worked before in, in that setting. That was mostly kind of fast food stuff in high school and things of that nature. But um, and it was you know lucky enough to get the job in as a ASU student. And I've been here ever since. Um, it was fun uh, working with kids and summer camp um, in the Victory Acres neighborhood and Escalante neighborhood and just getting to know the community. Um, but, you know, it's it's great when you get paid to play with, you know, kids and have a good time. <laughs> right. And do all kinds of activity activities from education, sports. Uh, drama, you know, swimming, you know, so it's just it's just a fun time that I was lucky to be a part of. Yeah, I think it's a great start. I can see why you'd stick around. So what is it that you love about Tempe that's kept you here for 30 years? Well, actually, it's 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 the bond that you make with the residents, uh, the organization, the employees. Um, being over at Escalante Community Center for 25 years, I was very fortunate to see a lot of positive impacts in that community and that neighborhood as we had government, you know, governor grants and different grants and programs that allowed us to expand from a small 3,000 square foot facility to a 36,000 multi-gen center and provide other programs, you know, not only for that neighborhood, but for the whole city. Um, and it's you know, still thriving today. So it's kind of been that piece that I was fortunate enough to be involved with and, you know, be a part of that community and expand and, and meet others from different parts of the city as well. Yeah. And that leads really well into the next question, which is you've managed our community centers, like you just mentioned, for a number of years. Did that help you get to know our community better? And how important are these facilities for the city? 
Absolutely. I mean, you think about the community center. One of the things that we did early on was not just build it for kids after school, but look at multi-age groups, right? So they're multi-gen. So we have preschool programs all the way up to senior programs. So it's uh, you know morning time activities to evening time activities for adults after work. Uh, classes, we have, you know, education classes, things of that nature as well, um, and arts and cultures, you know, classes and experiences. And hopefully one day maybe we get some library outreach, you know, uh, growing facility, you know, out there in reference to library services. Don't have to ask me twice, Keith. You no. know, I'm on it. <laughs> uh, the last question I've got for you is what is the biggest change you've seen in your 30 years here in Tempe with uh, with the community? Uh, you know, I think just seeing the growth. I mean, we're already you know, actually small city in Tempe, but we do some of the biggest things, right? In reference to on a daily basis and, and how, how many people come in and out of Tempe is tourism, uh, events, and, you know, students from ASU. Um, but over 30 years, you know, working, you know, in and around different parts of the city, um, seeing the growth and change. I remember the Apache, Dory, Apache Boulevard corridor uh, being so different with Tempe Bowl, you know, down there and, and Bowling Alley. and But seeing the growth and change in and around, you know, the downtown and and seeing it continually evolve, it's been it's been fun to see. So now look into your crystal ball, Keith. What do you think the next thirty years hold? Oh wow, I think that's a question for everybody around the table in <laughs> reference to see what everybody has to say. But you know, I think it's 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 on that path. I think we you know obviously being landlocked, we're continuing to grow, and people want to be here. Um, they want to visit. Um, businesses want to you know thrive. So you're going to see that continued growth you know upward in reference to things and develop and, and that come and go. But it's mm-hmm. um, it's been fun to see the journey. I can continue on. I, you know, I think uh, a lot of us here, obviously, 30 years, and we you know, want to continue on and, and see the next 30, right? So absolutely, um, it's been a fun experience so far and looking forward to the, the next adventure. Yeah, well, and like my favorite 90s band, Missy at Misdemeanor Elliot's, oh, uh, nice. all of you seem to be deeply ageless, and I don't know how it's happening, but I'm, I'm here for it. I'm going to stay with the city of Tempe <laughs> if that's what happens. M- much appreciated, Jess. <laughs> So we are so pleased to have with us today, Roseanne Chowsty. She's Tempe's new city manager, stepped into the role in June, but she's no stranger to our community either. She's been with the city of Tempe since 1993. Wow. Um, how did you come to the city of Tempe? What was your first job here? Thanks, Chris. Uh, first job was actually uh, straight out of um, my master's program. Uh, I was working at Banner Health. Uh, Community health and human services was always an interest with me. Um, And there was a position for a bilingual therapist working in our community. And I thought I would apply and be here for a short time and move on to private practice, which was really the field of focus for me. But lo and behold, still, I'm here. As old as Rose Eisendrath here, (laughs) it feels like. Well, you've been a trendsetter and a leader for our community. Uh, you are Tempe's first female, first Latina city manager. Um, that's inspirational to a lot of people. Thank you for that. What was your pathway to becoming here? You know, I, I've been thinking about that. Um, I really, pathway is an interesting word. And thanks for choosing that. I, I truly believe um, early on I had these conversations if I may share, with my mother early on. So I lived in a community in Los Angeles where it wasn't uh, the safest community. Uh, Parents were Cuban immigrants, um, so they had a strategy. They couldn't afford to live in nice neighborhoods, and they decided we're going to spend our money sending you to private schools, um, which was great strategies for my sisters and I. And so while Catholic schools and parochial was a focus, um, 
we talked a lot about higher kind of understanding of why we're here. Not necessarily religion, but more about faith. And I remember my mother, if she was still here, she would say, you were always the inquisitive one about why are, why do we exist? Kind of what is the purpose? You live, you die, you move on, next generation. Um, I think making an impact, using our lives to make an impact on others, pe other people's lives has always been an interest in me. Um, a challenge, right? Because we all have to make a living. We all have to... Uh, due to day-to-day -day things. But for me, it was always a bit of a North Star of um, it needs to be purposeful. Um, so I thought when I came to Tempe, I'd be here for a short time. And like I said, move on to doing private practice, helping families, marriages, things like that. Um, but to me, there was a calling in this organization to see an impact that was greater than what I had already imagined for myself. It's amazing how this city provides you with challenges and opportunities that you just don't want to pass up. Um, was that was it that way for you as well? Absolutely. I believe we all have plans. And if you know me, I obviously was strategic planning director, so I always have a plan and I'm, people joke about that. I had no plans to become a city manager. I uh, took it one step at a time and understood kind of walking through the doors that are opened um, and pay attention to what goes on around you and pay attention and listen to yourself. Is this feel rewarding to me? Is this next job going to be something that I see myself in? I always be believe in that visualization. Do I see myself in that job? Would I see myself being happy and making others um, have a better quality of life? And really, that's how one thing led to another. We're here today talking with people who have been with the city for 25 years and longer. And recruiting staff is a struggle for most businesses today. Why do you think people should consider our city as a career opportunity? It is a great place. I look around the table and I've known the folks here. And um, I think you create an environment and the city of Tempe has created a culture of family and friends um, that is nourishes an in individual in, in a way that I, it's hard to pinpoint. Um, people come into a career or a job and they don't realize how it, it really is more than that. Um, it's a calling, a calling to serve one another. And I often tell our employees, our new employees, you will be spending time with one another more than you do your own family on some days and some real big challenges ahead, but so rewarding to work shoulder to shoulder to, with folks who are so dedicated altruistically to serving others. And uh, maybe that's the Jesuit side of you know the schools I attended, but it was always about not just yourself, but about how you serve others. And I'm hoping um, newer generations see I think newer generations have a hard time with understanding the pension and that you have to pay into that. And the economy is really taking a hit um, for folks. And they understand that they have a lot of competing, com competing interests as far as what they have to pay for. But it's a long game. I know pensions are a long game, but uh, it's it's beyond just the economy of it. It's uh, it's the people. I personally think the opportunities that present themselves, I mean, the fact that we have people here around the table who have started as interns and worked their way all the way up to the top 
that's inspirational. Um, even if you're young and you feel the need to change jobs every three years, you can do that and still be with the city. Absolutely. We just had a new employee orientation um, breakfast. We have a city manager's breakfast to welcome new employees and to honor our, our tenured employees. And in that, um, there was a new hire that was in the position that I started in 30 years ago. Her name is Constance. And at the end, I looked at her and I said, careful, Constance, because right? You, you just never know where you'll end up and people need to understand your skills and competencies go beyond the position in the department you're in. Um, and we should think about and help people grow into other positions that challenge them. Um, and, and it's us up to us as managers, supervisors, um, mentors to see those skills and encourage people and saying, I see something in you. Have you thought about something like this. It's amazing how many career paths there are in Tempe. Um, I ran municipal utilities for a bit and spent a lot of time with our solid waste uh, employees. And I think about employees uh, who are engineers who um, in municipal utilities who are experts in water and utilities underground are, are water engineers who know the grid of our infrastructure, amazing to me. I'm sitting across from someone who knows our, our buildings better than anyone, um, electricians, firefighters who are saving lives better than any other city, uh, really preserving life and tissue. Um, our, our library services that are doing something much different than what it was just 30 years ago. I mean, library apps, we used to just come into a library and pick up a book. Um, yes, I love this. I'm here for this. I'm telling you, uh, th there's something for everyone. So for someone to say, mm, I wanted to be a civil engineer or I want to plan and build things. Guess what? Tell me what you're interested in. I'll find you a position in Tempe. You lead our workforce. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Um, our Tempe City Council might set the priorities, but we have we work together with them to to carry them out. What are some of the goals you've set for us? For high level kind of mayor and council absolutely set the priorities. We also have amazing people working day to day, um, perform what we call performance measures. Like where do we want to be with reducing fatal and serious car crashes? Where do we want to be with saving someone's life when they have a cardiac arrest? or they're having a stroke. All those things, absolutely, first and foremost. Additionally, the plan right now is understanding place and time in Tempe. And what we have to focus on, what I call back to basics a bit, understanding that um, four pillars, community safety. When you look at any community across the nation, safety has to be there not just for the economics, no one wants to build a business somewhere where there's high crime or there's threat of anything to a community. Um, aside from that, our next generation, I want them to think about their hometown as I used to walk in the park at night and feel safe. Those are memories and, and things that are encrypted in people's minds beyond just place and time right now. And I want to make sure that gener next generation says that the 53 parks that we have, I always remember going to those playgrounds or walking my dog and feeling so safe. What, what was it about my, that community? So community safety, absolutely. Second one is streets and alleys. 
back to basics. Our neighborhoods want to see their streets without potholes and feeling like it's 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 uh, feeling smooth, safe um, for their children to play in the playgrounds. I mean, on the streets, picking up a ball. But more importantly, think about our our fire engine trucks on arterial streets. Um, we need to make sure our streets and alleys are at the condition that we need them to be and that, that our community expects. Um, we need the vacancies filled. You mentioned that, Chris, briefly. It's a national issue. Uh, there's vacancies everywhere. I'm always looking to see what the employment rate is nationally and benchmarking that with what's going on in our city. So making sure that we fill our vacancies because um, our highest vacancy rates right now are in our police department and municipal utilities. When you go think about back to basics and community safety and our streets and alleys, there you go. How do I how do I help the two priorities that I just mentioned without having the third of filling those vacancies? And then lastly, uh, the fourth one is our neighborhoods, our beloved neighborhoods. I live in Tempe. I work here. Um, traditionally, neighborhoods has been communicating with city halls or government through HOAs, homeowners associations or NAs, neighborhood associations. Times have changed. We need to modernize government and understand a lot of people, new generations don't believe in having an HOA and NA. They want to be their own individuals or their own group. We need, as a government, invite those folks in and having conversations about what do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of in our neighborhoods? What's the future of our neighborhoods? Um, so one first tangible thing is to move our neighborhood office that was in a community development office back into City Hall in the heartbeat. And uh, so they are helping us gather data from various sources. And so we can be proactive as 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 a city to respond before things become a pain point. Your work to prioritize health and safety, it's led some changes in leadership. Chief Greg Reese of Tempe Fire Medical Rescue, he was recently promoted to an interim deputy city manager overseeing those areas. What helped you make that decision and what do you expect? I love this question more than anything because I'm looking at him and I think it was the easiest decision, seriously. Uh, when I was asked to take on the interim role, I knew, I always say, you have to do a little introspection as a leader as an, as a human and you need to know what can I do and what I can't do? You know, who can fill that space as a leader? You need to understand you can't be all things to all people. We're good at some things and others are better at it. The area of public safety is an area that Greg Reese knew, right? 30 years of experience, fire with PD working hand in hand on calls, I don't have that experience, so I needed to make sure I had someone there that could help us. And um, it was an easy decision for me. Um, I'd like to say it was an easy decision for him, but it has to be. It had to be a hard one because he was our fire chief, and he is, in essence, still our fire chief. But he's he's agreed to help for a year and um, helping us address community safety in our city. So. Thanks for the question, Chris. Absolutely. Which leads us to Chief Reese. Um, you've had 35 years of firefighting experience, uh, about 30 of them here in Tempe. But you pair that with some pretty significant education, a master's degree in education leadership, and a lot of certificates and accomplishments like Tempe leadership. 
first, we want to thank you for your service and for being here today. So when you got started, things were a little different in the late 80s. Um, there were only four fire stations in Tempe at the time. Trucks didn't have computers in them back then. And the name of the organization you worked for was Tempe Fire Department, which was a very significant decision that you helped us make. Today, there's seven fire stations, lots of technology in the vehicles, and you work for Tempe Fire Medical Rescue. How has firefighting changed? Wow. I don't know if we have enough time to uh, answer that question. <laughs> um, first and foremost, thank you for uh, having me today. And uh, whenever I'm somebody says thank you for your service, uh, my response is always thank you for allowing me to serve. When we talk about firefighting, and, and you alluded to the fact that we were Tempe Fire Department when I got here, and we made the name change to Tempe Fire Medical Rescue, um, the reason we did that was because we thought there was a piece of significant uh, pieces of the puzzle that were missing. And that was, um, when we think about firefighting, we think about fire and pulling hose lines and putting out the fire. And that's, that's a small percentage of what we do. And it's a small percentage of what I have done for 35 years. Um, and the funny thing with the name change was we, we had a media event and when we were rolling out the name change on the trucks and all that, I was asked by one of the reporters, so are you going to put paramedics on the fire trucks? We've had paramedics on the fire truck since the late seventies, early eighties. Um, so it was probably, um, it indicated that we needed to do something like that and communicate that to the, um, people that we serve, that we are the primary response people. We're an all hazards department, put it, you know, put it the right way is, uh, we pretty much do what, when people call 911, we, we do whatever it is we need to do to mitigate the emergency or take care of the community that we're sworn to serve. Um, when you ask about some of the changes, again, I could go on and on from the firefighting to our EMS, to our special operations, to our professional staff, how much that has changed just to support all of the changes that have occurred. Um, you know, the mission hasn't changed a lot over my career. We, we've always responded to emergencies and, and we've taken care of the community. Um, the way we do it has changed and the equipment we use, and it's been, you know, said here as, as you read and, and the city manager even said about the fire trucks, um, not only is the fire truck the, itself changed, but the equipment we carry on it has changed. And those changes, I think have been, um, we measure that stuff and, and we, we, we can show where we have outcomes, some of the be best outcomes on the EMS calls because of the way we've changed our standards of care, the way that we've changed the equipment. Um, and it's, it's that evolution, I think, that um, will continue to happen into the future. And I, I know there will be some questions about probably some of the challenges we face in the future, but uh, those those challenges, all they've always been here. Um, when I started, we didn't have a lake. We had to create a dive team. Um, and now we're doing things to try to even mitigate more uh, emergencies um, on the water. But it's, it's just a response to the things that are happening around us. Again, um, we talk about the, the opiate epidemic. Opiates have always been a problem in the, you know, that, that in the community, we've always faced some kind of challenge with opiates. It's, it's now we have one that's much stronger and much more powerful. And, um, I'll use Narcan. Everybody knows the word Narcan nowadays. We used to give two milligrams of Narcan. Now we find ourselves giving 12 milligrams, which means now we have to carry upwards of 12 plus milligrams because a much more powerful drug. So 
again, the mission has always been there. It's, it's, it's what's changed is how we provide that service and how we keep our men and women safe providing that service. Um, because there have been, there's, there's a lot more threats, um, you know, against the providers than we've ever seen before. 35 years ago, it was, uh, it was not a big threat. There was not a threat. Our, our providers now wear full ballistics on certain calls. And so again, I think we'll continue to see those, those changes and we'll continue to evolve as the needs change in our community. Back in 1990, about 140,000 people lived in Tempe. Now we have more than 190,000 residents, plus all the students, the workforce members, the visitors. How does that affect firefighters and, and your team? It's, you know, uh, again, when, when you start to give those numbers and, and as, as you communicated, when you communicate with Keith about the future, the next 30 years, we just sat in a meeting yesterday with ASU and I know some of the, you know, I know some of the plans for the future that our city manager has. And we got to hear from the ASU yesterday. And, um, I even made a comment that, boy, that's, that's, you know, a significant amount of density and it's a significant amount of growth. Again, when I think back to when I started here uh, almost 30 years ago, um, we had a couple high rise buildings in the city and some mid rise buildings. Um, we have a skyline now. You, you will confuse Tempe for downtown Phoenix very easily when you're flying in. And that's only going to continue to uh, grow that skyline is. And so um, with, with that skyline comes people. And, and that's what I always try to remind the community or anybody that'll, that'll listen to me for a minute. And that is, all this growth is fantastic. It's exciting, but it's humans. It's people, people with needs, people who are, are going to have a bad day. Um, they didn't plan on it, but an auto accident or whatever it is. And we have, we have to, we have to respond. And the challenges our firefighters face, um, today that's different than, um, 30 years ago is getting to that emergency and getting there in a timely matter. Our city manager alluded to something I say a lot, and that is time is tissue. Um, brain tissue and, and the heart, keeping people alive. And I remind people all the time that we can still get to the high rise in a, in a real reasonable time, in a reasonable time. We now got to get to the 29th floor. Yeah. And so um, that's what that, that, that number means to me is watching us go from 140 to 190. And, and I've grown with it. And um, those will be the challenges we'll continue to face in the future. But um, it has been a priority of mayors, councils, city managers, and I know it's one of of uh, our of Rosa's um, to make sure that we make that a priority, be able to respond to those emergencies, that we just don't grow um, and not think about the services we have to provide. You were recently promoted to deputy city manager overseeing community health and human services. How do those areas intersect? They intersect daily and they always have. It starts with the preventative stuff. We're all doing the same preventative work, right? The, at the end of the day, it's to try to prevent bad things from happening. That's what we're trying to do, um, what, whatever that bad thing is. And then we mitigate and we mitigate these emergencies together. PD and fire have ran together for a very long time. Um, they're, they're arm in arm, you know, hooked together on these calls and, and very tight knit. And then we've had CARE 7 who came along you know, early on in my career and what a resource that was. And then when you look about after you mitigate or you take care of the emergency or the issue, um, we stay with people, we stay connected. And that's where community health and her human services come in. And 
um, having the opportunity to be a part of that group and getting to know what they do. I've said it, amazing group of people, just unbelievable uh, commitment and unbelievable people doing that work. So I see a connection between all three. When you think about our public safety out there trying to find a solution for these problems and then community health and services providing some of those solutions that they don't have. You know, I like to say we, we interact with them when they enter the world early on. And we, as a city, we stay committed to them um, all the way into the later years of their lives and then and and support those families. Um, and when I say support those families, uh, again, I've seen what CARE 7 has done many times supporting families on that that terrible day, um, the day that, you know, the love, they lose the loved one. And again, and connecting them with resources to ensure that they continue to have those services if they need them. And, and everywhere in between, um, we, we provide services to the community. It, it truly is. It's one of the reasons I live here. It's not rare to see firefighters work here for 25 or 30 years. People make their entire firefighting career here. What is the secret to longevity as a firefighter? It's such a physically and mentally demanding job. You know, I came here from another fire department and uh, I think first and foremost, how are we able to keep the men and women here um, as long as we do? Uh, it's been, a, you know, it's been one of those long running little pokes I take as the firefighters stick around forever here. And I think that's because it's a city that truly takes care of its employees. That keeps them around. They continue, they continue to invest in them, invest in their profession, and they're a part of something that is viewed as a very special place to work. Well, thank you for caring for our community. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chief Rees. Onward to Michael Martin. Michael Martin started at the City of Tempe in our facilities department 25 years ago, ensuring our buildings were in the best condition possible. Today, he works in IT information technology. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. So we're really excited to have you. And I will say of all our functions that the city staff perform, building systems and IT have probably evolved the most more than anything else. Over your 25 years, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen? Well, I think for the most part is um, trying to keep the buildings up to the current standards of technology. Uh, when I first started way back in the 90s, most of the manufacturers would uh, support their software and hardware 10, 15, 20 years. And now with the advent of the newer technology and the big changes, um, they're only supporting it for maybe five years at the tops. So now the city is forced to invest more and more in updating their systems on a constant basis versus what we used to have. So uh, it's, it's, it's always changing. We're always upgrading. It's a never ending story with the city because we've got older buildings that we just have to keep on moving on with. And uh, as with the IT section of it, um, that and facilities just basically kind of intermixed at one point. And that's what brought us together. So it's almost one department in some in some aspects. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we ever anticipated the power needs in buildings when they were built uh, as to the power needs now, especially in the library, people wanting to plug in and charge. Ooh. Right. So tell us, how did you transition from facilities into IT? Well, as I started as an electrician with the city and then I worked my way into more of the automation uh, aspect of it. 
And most of the systems I was working on went from either modems to the internet. And then basically everything kind of worked that way. Everything was connected to the internet. And more and more I was working with the IT department until basically I was working with the IT department more than I was working with the facilities department. So at that point, they said, well, hey, you know, it's best to move you over because you're 99% do, you know, doing that work. And that's kind of how it worked out. It was just a, it was just destined to work that way. It was kind of a natural evolution for exactly. you. Exactly. Excellent. So facilities and IT workers are incredibly valuable to today's workforce and your skills are really in demand. What kept you here at the city of Tempe when you could probably go anywhere? Before I came with Tempe, I worked in construction and I worked with private businesses. And what you'll find out there, a lot of people are just chasing the dollar. And with construction, you're either feast or famine. You've got a lot of projects, either you got too much work or not enough work. And it usually works that way. And I was tired of making those changes. It's either full throttle or you're waiting. And I said, I'm not going through that anymore. I've got a family. I've got a support. I've got a, I am the support system. So I have to, you know, level out and sit somewhere, you know, get somewhere that I can work, be happy, learn and take care of my family and take care of my job so that I can, you know, support the whole system. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And something we're hearing from everybody here that's stuck around is City of Tempe is a great place to work. So technology continues to change. As Rosa mentioned, we have a library app now. So what do you see for the future of tech in Tempe? Well, it's going to continue to gravitate. I'm sure it'll go into AI and I'm sure it'll go into wherever technology is going to lead, people are going to keep gravitating towards the newest, the latest and the newest. And Tempe is in a lot of ways on the leading edge because they will adopt a lot of the new technology as it comes along. And um, I think that's where it's going to be going. There's really no way to, to foresee what's going to happen in the future as the people in 1930s, when this was built, would never be able to figure, you know, to realize that where we'd be right today, mm -hmm. you know, having a podcast, they would have no idea. <laughs> exactly. So I think, you know, it's just for us to see, to find out and work towards the best outcome that we can do. Absolutely. So what would you say to somebody who's looking for a job in the city of Tempe? Tell them to bring their A game. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Michael. I mean, I, you've lent really a great view of what our city buildings are like and what the future holds for us. Jessica, do you have anything special for us for after the podcast today? Absolutely. We've got a, a link to uh, books that are available to talk more about what we've talked about here, about um, how to live this long, because my goodness, like I said, these people are blowing my mind. So if you're if you're looking for tips on how to live longer, we've got books at the library for that. And then there is a video of the Eisendrath House, and you can see all of that online at tempe.gov forward slash Tempe this week. And prizes. We have prizes. We always have prizes, but this is a great one. Caffeine is important to keeping the Tempe workforce creative and energetic, right? Absolutely. I don't live without it. <laughs> so if you go to tempe.gov slash Tempe this week and answer the first trivia question, you could win a gift certificate to Jasmine Joe and Rowan Tree. That is Tempe's only coffee shop that's also a florist. It's great. You can walk in, smell the flowers, then walk to the back of the shop and take in the scent of the coffee and the pastries and just really have a nice time. 
And if you come back home with coffee, pastries, and flowers, you're going to be a winner with whoever you live with. So I, re I recommend checking it out. Also, the Omni Hotel at ASU is putting up an overnight stay as the grand prize for us this season. Listen every week, answer all the trivia questions for the season correctly, and you could win. We'll announce our winner around November 20th. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here today. It's a great podcast. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Tempe This Week, the podcast.